Good morning, everyone. Technically, it's Monday. I'll admit that. It's President's Day, and I did nothing but lay on the couch and watch cartoons yesterday. So I wanted to do my recording today and sort of keep that consistency of wrapping up the end of my weekend. So not that I need to justify my behavior, especially when I may not be releasing these for six weeks or so. <laughs> Who knows? But that's where we're at, 9.58 a.m., and we are starting with the 31st chapter of Genesis. Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude toward him was not what it had been. Then the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out to the fields where his flocks were. He said to them, I see that your father's attitude toward me is not what it was before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing, changing my wages times 10. However, God was not, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said the speckled ones will be your wages, then all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said the streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. In breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled, or spotted. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, or spotted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel. When you were anointed a pillar and you were, and you and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Then Rachel and Leah replied, Do you still have any share in the inheritance of our father's estate? Does he not regard us as foreigners? Not only has he sold us, but he has used up what was paid for us. Surely all the wealth that God took away from our father belongs to us and our children. So do whatever God has told you. Then Jacob put his children and his wives on camels, and he drove all his livestock ahead of him, along with all the goods he had accumulated in Padan Aram, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. When Laban had gone to shear his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household gods. Moreover, Jacob deceived Laban, the Aramean, by not telling him he was running away. So he fled with all he had, and crossing the river, he headed for the hill country of Gilead. On the third day, Laban was told that Jacob had fled. Taking his relatives with him, he pursued Jacob for seven days and caught up with him in the hill country of Gilead. Then God came to Laban the Aramean, Aramean in a dream at night and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country of Gilead when Laban overtook him, and Laban and his relatives camped there too. Then Laban said to Jacob, What have you done? You've deceived me, and you've carried off my daughters like captives in war. Why did you run off secretly and deceive me? Why didn't you tell me so I could send you away with joy and singing in the music, singing to the music of tambourines and harps? You didn't even let me kiss my granddaughter, my grandchildren, and my daughters goodbye. You have done a, few, a foolish thing. I have the power to harm you. But last night the God of your father said to me, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Now you have gone off because you long to return to your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered Laban, I was afraid, because I thought you would take your daughters away from me by force. But if you find anyone who has your gods, you shall not live. Uh -oh. In the presence of our relatives, see for yourself whether there is anything of yours here with me, and if so, take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the gods. 
So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two maidservants, but he found nothing. And after he came out of Leah's tent, he entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them inside her camel's saddle and was sitting on them. Laban searched through everything in the tent but found nothing. Rachel said to her father, Don't be angry, my lord, that I cannot stand up in your presence. I am, I am having my period. So he searched but could not find the household gods. Jacob was angry and took Laban to task. What is my crime? He asked Laban. What sin have I committed that you hunt me down? Now that you have searched through all my goods, what have you found that belongs to your household? Put it here in front of your relatives and mine, and let them judge between the two of us. I have been with you for twenty years now. Your sheep and goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten rams from your flock. I did not bring your animals. I did not bring you animals torn by wild beasts. I bore the loss myself. And you demanded payment from me from for whatever was stolen by day or night. That was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime and the cold at night, and sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for twenty years I was in your household. I worked for you fourteen years for your two daughters and six years for your fox, and you changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship in the toil of my hands, and last night he rebuked you. Laban answered Jacob, The women are my daughters, the children are my children, and the flocks are my flocks. All you see is mine. Yet what can I do today about these daughters of mine, or about the children they have borne? Come now, let's make a covenant, you and I, and let it serve as a witness between us. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. He said to his relatives, Gather some stones. So they took stones and piled them in a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Laban called it Shegar Sahadutha, and Jacob called it Galid. Laban said, This heap is a witness between you and me today. That is why it was called Galid. It was also called Mizpah. Because he said, May the Lord keep watch between you and me when we are away from each other. If you mistreat my daughters, or if you take take any wives besides my daughter, daughters, even though no one is with us, remember God. Remember that God is a witness between you and me. Laban also said to Jacob, Here is this heap, and here is this pillar I have set up between you and me. The heap is a witness, and the pillar is a witness, that I will not go past this heap to your side to harm you, and that you will not go past this heap and pillar to my side to harm me. May the God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob took an oath in the name of the fear of his father Isaac, and he offered a sacrifice there in the hill of the country and invited his relatives to a meal. After they had eaten, they spent the night there. Early the next morning, Laban kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then he left and returned home. Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is the camp of God. And so he named the place... Mahanaim. Jacob sent messages ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He instructed them, This is what you are to say to my master Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, manservants, men servants and maidservants. Now I am finding this message to my Lord that I may find favor in your eyes. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, We went to your brother Esau. Now he is coming to meet you, and four hundred men with him. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought, If Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. Then Jacob prayed, O Lord of my father, 
O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I have only my staff when I cross this Jordan, but now I have come I have but now I have become two groups. Save me, I pray, for the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will make sure you prosper, and will make descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. He spent the night there, and from what he had with him, he had selected a gift for his brother Asau. Two hundred female goats and twenty male goats, two hundred ewes and thirty two hundred ewes and twenty lambs rams, thirty female camels with their young, forty cows and ten bulls, and twenty female donkeys and ten male donkeys. He put them in the care of his servants, each herd by itself, and said to his servant, Go ahead of me and keep some space between the herds. He instructed the one in the lead. When my brother Asau meets you and asks, To whom do you belong, and where are you going, and who owns all these animals in front of you? Then you are to say, They belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my lord Asau, and he is coming behind us. He also instructed the second, the third, and the others with who followed the herds. You are to say the same thing to Asau when you meet him, and be sure to say, Your servant Jacob is coming behind us. For he thought, I will pacify him with these gifts I am sending on ahead. Later, when I see him, perhaps he will receive me. So Jacob's gifts went ahead of him, and he spent he himself spent the night in the camp. The night that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hips so that the hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. The man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Jacob looked up, and there was a saw, coming with his four hundred men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two manservants. He put her children next. He put the maidservant and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He went. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Then Esau looked up and saw the women and children. Who are these with you? He asked. Jacob answered, These are the grandchildren. These are the children God has graciously given your servant. Then the maidservant and their children approached and bowed down. Next, Leah and her children came and bowed down. Last of all came Joseph and Rachel, and they too bowed down. Esau said, What do you mean by all these droves I met? To find favor in your eyes, my lord, he said. But Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. 
No, please, said Jacob. If I have found favor in your eyes, accept this gift from me. For to see your face is like seeing the face of God, now that you have received me favorably. Please accept the present that was brought to you, for God has been gracious to me, and I have all I need. But Jacob insisted. Esau accepted it. Then Esau said, Let us be on our way. I'll accompany you. But Jacob said to him, My Lord knows that the children are tender, and that I must care for the ewes and cows that are nursing their young. If they are driven hard just one day, all the animals will die. So let my Lord go on ahead of his servant, while I move along slowly at the pace of the droves before me, and that of the children, until I come to the Lord in Seir. Esau said, Then let me leave some of my men with you. But why do that? Jacob said. Just let me find favor in the eyes of my Lord. So that day, Esau started on his way back to Seir. Jacob, however, went to Succoth, where he built a place for himself and made shelters for his livestock. This is why the place is called Succoth. After Jacob came from Padamaram, he arrived safely at the city of Shechem and Canaan and camped within sight of the city. For a hundred pieces of silver, he bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, the plot of ground where he pitched his tent. There he set up an altar and called it El Ehoi uh, Israel. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, had born to Jacob. The daughter Leah had born to Jacob, went out to visit the women of the land. When uh, Shechem, son of Hamor, the Hivite, the ruler of that area, saw her, he took her and violated her. His heart was drawn to Dinah, daughter of Jacob, and he loved the girl and spoke tenderly to her. And Shechem said to his father Hamor, Get me this girl as my wife. When Jacob heard that his daughter Dinah had been defiled, his sons were in the fields and with his livestock, so he kept quiet about it until they came home. Then Shechem's father Hamor went out to talk to Jacob. Now Jacob's sons had come in from the field as soon as they heard what had happened, and they were filled with grief and fury because Shechem had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing that should not be done. But Hamor said to them, My son Shechem has his heart set on your daughter. Please give her to him as his wife. Intermarry with us. Give us your daughters and take our daughters for yourselves. You can settle among us. The land is open to you. Live in it, trade in it, and acquire property in it. Then Shechem said to Dinah's father and brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes, and I will give you whatever you ask. Make the price for the bride and the gift I am bringing. I am to bring as great as you like. I'll pay whatever you ask of me. Only give me the girl as my wife. Because their sister Dinah had been defiled, Jacob's sons replied deceitfully as they spoke to Shechem and his father Hamor. They said to them, We can't do such a thing. We can't give our sister to a man who is not circumcised. That would be a disgrace to us. We will give our consent to you on one condition only, that you become like us by circumcising all your males. Then we will give you our daughters and take your daughters for yourselves. We'll settle among you and become one people with you. But if you will not agree to be circumcised, we'll take our sister and go. Their proposal seemed good to Hamor and his sons Shechem. The young man, who was the most honored of all his father's household, lost no time in doing what they said, because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. So Hamor and his son Shechem went to the gate of their city to speak with their fellow townsmen. These men are friendly toward us, they said. Let them live in our land and trade in it, and the land has plenty of room for them. We can marry their daughters, and they can marry ours. But the men will consent to live with us as one people, only on the condition that our males be circumcised, as they themselves are. Won't their livestock, their property, and all other animals become ours? So let us give our consent to them, and they will settle among us. 
All the men who went out of the city gate agreed with Amor and his son Shechem, and every male in the city was circumcised. Three days later, while all of them were still in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and attacked the unsuspecting city, killing every male. They put Hamor and Shechem and his sons Shechem to the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house and left. The sons of Jacob came upon the dead bodies and looted the city where their sister had been defiled. They seized their flocks and herds and donkeys and everything else of theirs in the city and out in the fields. They carried off all their wealth and all their women and children, taking as plunder everything in the houses. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have brought trouble on me by making me a stench to the Canaanites and Perizzites, the people living in this land. We are few in number, and if they join forces against me and attack me, I and my household will be destroyed. But they replied, Should he have treated our sister like a prostitute? Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there, and build an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household, and to all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you, and purify yourselves, and change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign goods that had that they had, and the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. Then they set out, and the terror of God fell upon the towns all around them, so that no one pursued them. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. There he built an altar, and he called the place El Bethel, because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried under the oak below Bethel, so it was named Elan Bakuth. After Jacob returned from Padam Aram, God appeared to him and blessed him. God said to him, Your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will come from your body. The land I give to Abraham and Isaac I also give to you, and I will give the land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at the place where he had talked with him. Jacob set up a stone pillar in the place where God had talked to him, and he poured out a drink offering it, and he also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God had talked with him Bethel. Then they moved on from Bethel. While there was still some distance between Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, Don't be afraid, for you have another son. And she breathed her last, for she was dying. She named her son Benoi, but his father named him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Over her tomb, Jacob set up a pillar, and to this day, that pillar marks Rachel's tomb. Israel moved on again and pitched his tent beyond Migdal Eder. While Israel was living in that region, Reuben went in and slept with his father's concubine, Bilhah, and Israel heard of it. Jacob had twelve sons. Oh no. Oh no. The sons of Leah. Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin. The sons of Rachel's maidservant, Billa, Dan, and Naphtali. The sons of Leah's maidservant, Zilpah. 
Gad, and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob, who were born to him in Padamaram. Jacob came home to his father Isaac in Mamre, near Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had stayed. Isaac lived a 180 years. Then he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, old and full of years, and his son Esau and Jacob buried him. This is the account of Esau, that is, Edom. Esau took his wives from the women of Canaan, Ada, daughter of Elon the Hittite, and Oholibamah, daughter of Anah, and granddaughter of Sibion the Hivite, also Basemath, daughter of Ishmael, and daughter of Nebaioth. Mm-hmm. Ada bore Eliphaz to Esau, Basemath bore Raul, and Oholibamah bore Jesu, Jalam, and Korah. These were the sons of Esau, who were born to him in Canaan. Esau took his wives and sons and daughters and all the members of their household, as well as his livestock and all other animals and all the goods he had acquired in Canaan, and moved to a land some distance from his brother Jacob. Their possessions were far too great for them to remain together. The land where they were staying could not support them both because of their livestock. So Esau, that is Edom, settled in the hill country of Seir. This is the account of Esau, the father of Edomites, in the hill country of Seir. These are the names of Esau's sons. Eliphaz, the son of Esau's wife, Ada, and Raul, the son of Esau's wife, Basemath. The son of Eliphaz, Teman, Omar, Zepho, Gatam, and Kanaz. Esau's son, Eliphaz, also had a concubine named Timnah, who bore him Amalek. These were grandsons of Esau's wife, Ada. The sons of Raul, Nahath, Serha, Shama, and Mizah. These were grandsons of Esau's wife, Basemath. The sons of Esau's wife, Oholibamah, daughter of Anah, and granddaughter of Zibion, who she bore, whom she bore to Esau, Jehush, Jalam, and Korah. These were chiefs among Esau's descendants. The sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn of Esau, chiefs Teman, Omar, Zepho, Kenaz, Korah, Gatam, Am- Amalek. These were the chiefs' descendants from Eliphaz in Edom. They were grandsons of Adah. The sons of Esau's son, Raul. Chiefs Nahath, Sarah, Shema, and Mizah. These were the chiefs descended from Raul and Edom. They were grandsons of Esau's wife, Basemath. The sons of Esau's wife, Oholibamah. Chiefs Jehush, Jalam, and Korah. These were the chiefs descended from Esau's wife, Oholibamah, daughter of Anah. These were the sons of Esau, that is Edom, and these were their chiefs. These were the sons of Zer the Horite, who were living in the region. Lotan, Shobal, Zibion, Anna, Dishan, Ezer, and Dishan. Dishan and Dishan. These sons of Seir and Edom were Horite chiefs. The sons of Lotan, Hori, and Homan. Timna was Lotan's sister. The sons of Shobal, Alvin, Menahath, Ibal, Shebo, Shefo, and Onam. The sons of Zibion, Aya and Anna, this is the Anna who discovered the hot springs in the desert while he was grazing the donkeys of his father Zibion. The children of Anna, Dishan, O Holy Bama, daughter of Anna. The sons of Dishan, Hemdan, Eshban, Ethran, and Karan. The sons of Ezer, Bilhan, Zavan, and Akan. The sons of Dishan, Uz, and Aran. 
These were the Horite chiefs, Lotan, Shobal, Zibion, Anan, Dishan, Ezer, and Dishan. These were the Horite chiefs, according to their, their, according to their divisions in the land of Seir. These were the kings who reigned in Edom before any Israelite king reigned. Bela, son of Behor, became king of Edom. His city was named Dinabah. When Bela died, Jacob, son of Zerah, from Bozrah, succeeded him as king. When Jacob died, Husham, from the land of Temanite, succeeded him as king. When Husham died, Hadad, son of Badad, who defeated Midian in the country of Moab, succeeded him as king. His city was named Avith. When Hadad died, Samla from Masreka succeeded him as king. When Samla died, Shaul from Rehoboth on the river succeeded him as king. When Shaul died, Baal Hanan, son of Akbor, succeeded him as king. When Baal Hanan, son of Akbor, died, Hadad succeeded him as king. His name was Pau, and his wife's name was Mehetabel, daughter of Matred, the daughter of Mezahab. These were the chiefs descended from Esau, by name according to their clans and regions. Timnah, Alva, Jeheth, Oholibamah, Elah, Pinan, Kenaz, Tamar, Mibzar, Magdiel, and Iram. These were the chiefs of Edom, according to their settlement in the land they occupied. This was Esau, the father of the Edomites. Jacob lived in the land where his father stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Jacob, a young man of seventeen, was tending the flocks of his brothers, the sons of Bilah and the sons of Zilpah, and his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had born to him he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Jacob Jake <laughs> Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, and suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, where your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in his mind. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are gazing, grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to him. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. So he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I am looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are gazing, grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Jacob went, so, God damn it. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. 
Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns, and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben said this, when Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So Joseph came to his brothers. They stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, the technicolor dream coat, if you will, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the system, cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh. Murder. And they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. So when Midianite merchants came by, his brother pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornamented robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son for many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, In mourning will I go down to my grave to my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. At that time, Judah left his brothers and went down to stay with a man in Aduam, Adulam, named Hira. Then Judah met the daughter of a Canaanite man named Shua. He married her and lay with her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son who was named Ur. Ur. She conceived again and gave birth to a son named Onan. She gave birth to still another son and named him Shelah. It was at Kizib that she gave birth to him. Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn. Judah got a wife for Ur, his for his Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death. Oh. Then Judah said to Onan, Lie with your brother's wife and fulfill your duty to her as a brother-in-law to produce offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his, so whenever he lay with his brother's wife, he, sp- he spilled his semen on the ground to keep from producing offspring for his brother. What he did was wicked in the Lord's sight, so he put him to death also. Judah then said to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, Live as a widow in your father's house until my son Sheila grows up, for he thought he may die too, just like his brothers. So Tamar went to live in her father's house. After a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. When Judah had recovered from his grief, he went up to Timnah to the men who were shearing his sheep sheep, and his friend Hurrah, the Adulamite, uh, Adulamite went with him. When Tamar was told, your father-in-law is on his way to Timra to she, Timna. Timra is a character in my Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Timna to shear his sheep. 
She took off her widow's clothes and covered herself with a veil to disguise herself, and then sat down on the entrance to Enam, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that, though Shalah had now grown up, she had not been given to him as his wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she covered her face. Not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law, he went over to her by the roadside and said, Come now, let me sleep with you. And what will you give me to sleep with you? she asked. I'll send you a young goat for my flock. Will you give me something as a pledge until you send it? He said, What pledge should I give you? Your seal in its court and the staff in your hand, she answered. So she gave them to her. So he gave them to her and slept with her, and she came, and she became pregnant by him. After she left, and she took off her veil and put on her widow's clothes again. Meanwhile, Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the the Adullamite, in order to get his pledge back from the woman, but he did not find her. He asked the man, he asked the men who lived there, "Where is the shrine prostitute who was beside the road at Enam? There hasn't been any shrine prostitute here," they said. So he went back to Judah and said, I didn't find her. Besides, the men who lived there said, there hasn't been a shine, any shrine prostitute here. Then Judah said, let her keep what she has or we will become a laughingstock. After all, I did her send, I did send her the young goat, but you didn't find her. About three months later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law Tamar is guilty of prostitution and as a result, she is now pregnant. Judah said, bring her out and have her burned to death. As she was being brought out, she sent a message to her father-in-law. I am pregnant by the man who owns these, she said. And she added, see if you recognize whose seal and cord and staff these are. Judah recognized them and said, she is more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her to my son Shelah. And he did not sleep with her again. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her room, in her womb. As she was giving birth, one of them put out his hand. So the midwife took a scarlet thread and tied it on his wrist and said, this one came out first. But when he drew back his hand, his brother came out and she said, so this is how you have broken out. And he was named Perez. Then his brother, who had a scarlet thread on his wrist, came out and he was given the name Sarah. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord who was with Joseph when he proposed, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to take care of everything he owned. From time from the time he had put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was <laughs> now Joseph was well built and handsome. Same. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, "Come to bed with me," but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, "My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care." No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend his duties and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out to the house. 
When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew is brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak behind her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew, that Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, for he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in the custody and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were held in prison, had a dream that same night, and each dream had a meeting of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dreams. He said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches, and as soon as it was budded it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cups, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison, for I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. Even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream, and on my head on my head were three baskets of bread, and the top of the baskets were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but when the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Oh no. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up his, he lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hands. But he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in the interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. Among them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up seven sleek and fat cows. The pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. 
Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy, full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the musicians and <laughs> magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them and <laughs> interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream in the same night. Each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was hanged. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I have never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The land... The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came out first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dreams, I also saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted and withered and thinned and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grains are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up after are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. The They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage, ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered, because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it so. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man, and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of those good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to keep in the cities for food. The food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt, so the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So the Pharaoh asked him, Can we find anyone like this man, one whom is in the Spirit of God? The Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to my throne, only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and men shouted before him, Make way. 
Thus he was put in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word no one will lift hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gives Joseph the name zaphnath and gave him Asnath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in the seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sands of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Nanaseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my troubles and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, it, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was a famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. Then all Egypt began to feel the famine, and the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to Egyptians, and the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe in all the world. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. The ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Joseph did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brothers, with the others, because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for the famine was in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the one who sold grain to all his people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Jacob, although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. No, my lord, they answered. Your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. Your servants are honest men not spies. No, he said to them, you have come to see where our land is unprotected. But they replied, your servants were 12 brothers and the sons of one man who lived in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father and one is no more. Joseph said to them, it is just as I told you, you are spies and this is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not live to see this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of your numbers to go get your brother. The rest of you will be kept in prison. So your words may be tested to see if you are telling the truth. If you are not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. And he put them all in custody for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this, and you will live, for I feel go fear God. If you are an honest man, let one of your brothers stay here in prison, while the rest of you go and take grain back for your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me, so that your words may be verified, and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do. They said to one another, Surely you are being punished because of your brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded for his life, but we would not listen. This is why this distress has come upon us. Reuben replied, 
Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. He turned away from them and began to weep, but then turned back and spoke to them again. He had Simeon taken from them and bound before their eyes. Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain, to put each man's silver back in his sack, and to give them provisions for their journey. After this was done for them, they loaded their grain on their donkey and left. At the place where they stopped for the night, one of them opened the sack to get feed for his donkey, and he saw his silver in the mouth of the sack. My silver has been returned, he said to his brothers. Here it is in my sack. Their hearts sank when they turned to each other, trembling, and said, What is this that God has done to us? When they came to their father, Jacob, in the land of Canaan, they told him what had all that had happened to them. They said, The man who is Lord over the land spoke harshly to us and treated us as though we were spying on the land. But we said to him, We said to him, We are honest men, we are not spies. We were twelve brothers, son of one father, one who is no more, and the youngest is now with our father in Canaan. Then the man who is Lord over the land said to us, This is how I will know whether you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me, and take food for your starving households, and go. But bring your youngest brother to me, so I know that you are not spies, but honest men. And then I will give your brother back to you, and you can trade in the land. As they were emptying their sacks, there in each man's sack was his pouch of silver. When they and their father saw the money pouches, they were frightened. Their father Jacob said to them, You have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now you want to take Benjamin. Everything is against me. Then Reuben said to his father, You may put both of my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you, and trust him in my care, and I will bring him back. But Jacob said, My son will not go down there with you. His brother is dead, and he is the only one left. If harm comes to him on the journey you are taking, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in sorrow. Now the famine was still severe in the land. So when they had eaten all the grain they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, Go back and buy us a little more food. But Judah said to him, The man warned us solemnly, You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. And if if you will send your brothers along with us, we will go down and buy food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down, because the man has said to us, You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. Israel asked, why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you had another brother? They replied, The man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. Is your brother still living? He asked us. Do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions. How are we to know? He would say, Bring your brother down here. Then Judah said to Israel, his father, Send the boy along with me, and we will go at once, so that we and your children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety. We... You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back and set him before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. And it is, as it is, if we are not delayed, we could have gone and returned twice. Then their father, Israel, said to them, If it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bag and take them down to this to the man as a gift, a little balm and a little honey, some spices and myrrh, Murder. Some pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double the amount of silver with you, for you must return the silver that was put back into the mouths of your sack. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once. And may God Almighty grant mercy before the man so that he will let your own brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. So the men took the gifts and doubled the amount of silver and Benjamin also. They hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, 
Take these men's these men to my house, slaughter an animal, and prepare dinner. They are to eat with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him, and took the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were frightened when they were taken to his house. They thought, we were put in to our sacks the first time. He wants us to attack and overpower us, and seize us as slaves, and take our donkeys. So they went up to Joseph's stewards, and spoke to him at the entrance of the house. Please, sir, they said, we came down here the first time to buy food. But at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks, and each of us found his silver, the exact weight in the mouth of the sack. So we have brought it back with us. We have also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put our silver in our packs. It's all right, he said. Don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to them. The steward took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and provided fodder for their donkeys. They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon, because they had heard that they were to eat there. When Joseph came home, they presented to him the gifts they had brought into the house. They bowed down before him to the ground. He asked he asked them how they were, and then he said, How is your aged father you told me about? Is he still living? They replied, Your servant, our father, is still alive and well, and they bowed low to pay him honor. And when they looked about and saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son, he asked, Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and wept there. After he had washed his face, he came out, and controlling himself, he said, Serve the food. They served him by himself, the brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with them themselves, because Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews, for that is detestable for Egyptians. The men had been seated before him in order of their ages for the firstborn, from the firstborn to the youngest, and they looked at each other in astonishment. When portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as everyone else. So they feasted and drank freely with him. Now Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of all his house. Fill the men's sack with as much food as they can carry, and put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. Then put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest sack, along with the silver for his grain. And they did as Joseph said. As morning dawned, the men were sent from their way, sent on their way with their donkeys. They had not gone far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, Go after those men at once, and when you catch up with them, say to them, Why have you repaid good with evil? This isn't the cup my master drinks from. Isn't this the cup my master drinks from, and also uses for divination? This is a wicked thing that you have done. When they caught up to them, he repeated, when he caught up, when he caught up with them, he repeated those words. But they said to him, Why does my Lord say such things? Far be it from your servants to do anything like that. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver we found inside the mouths of our sacks. Why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of your servants is found to have it, he will die, and the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves. Very well then, he said, let it be as you say. Whoever is found to have it will become my slave, as the rest of you will be free from blame. Each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. Then the steward proceeded to search, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. At this they told, tore their clothes. Then they loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they threw themselves to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, What is this that you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? What can we say to my lord? Judah replied. What can we say? 
How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now, my Lord, slaves. We ourselves and the one who is found to have the cup. But Joseph said, Far be it for me to do such a thing. Only the man who was found to have the cup will become my slave. The rest of you go back to your father in peace. Then Judah went up to him and said, Please, my Lord, let your servant speak a word to my Lord. Do not be angry with your servant, though we are equal to Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked him servants, My Lord asked his servants, Do you have a father or a brother? And he answered, We have an aged father, and this there is a young son born to him in his old age. His brother is dead, and he is the only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me so I can see him for myself. And we said to my Lord, The boy cannot leave his father. If he leaves him, his father will die. But you told your servants, Unless your younger brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him what the Lord, what my Lord had said. Then our father said, Go back and buy a little more food. And we said, We cannot go down. Only if our youngest brother is with us will we go. We cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, We know that your wife bore me two sons. One of them went away from me. And I said, He has surely been torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. If you take this one from me too, and harm comes to him, he will bring my gray head. You will bring my head gray. You will bring my gray head down to the grave in misery. So now, if the boys. So now, if the boy is not with us when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound with the boy's life, sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. Your servants will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will blame. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come upon my father. And that's where we're going to conclude. We have a few more chapters left of Genesis that we'll finish next week. And then start in on Exodus. Let go and let God.